This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Chick-fil-A opened its first franchise in this country right in the heart of downtown Toronto at Young and Bloor. And uh, it was met with mixed reviews by some. Uh, they found the chicken to be delightful and tasty. And others found the whole thing tasteless because they believe that it's more than just about chicken. It has to do with social justice. And so that uh, leaves us to wonder if there's a future for the franchise in this country. Uh, will it actually accrue to their benefit? hurt their standing in a progressive city such as Toronto, certainly downtown anyway, Young and Bloor. It's been uh, criticized as well, the location selected, because it's too close to Church and Wellesley and the heart of the gay village. Uh, and against this backdrop, let's get Mike Leon in here, the president of Brand Heroes Marketing. Mike, good to have you back on the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm all right. What do you make of this kerfuffle surrounding Chick-fil-A's incursion into Canada? You know what, I, I find it very, very curious, in all honesty, for all the reasons you mentioned. You know, we are a country that, that places huge emphasis, and we're a city that places huge emphasis on the values behind a brand in as much as what the brand is selling itself. So, you know, there, there, there's a very real part of me that has to ask a whole bunch of questions around, you know, is, is Chick-fil-A, them being here, is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Chick-fil-A brand, but it's also representative of the Toronto brand, or is that very much at odds with it? It just seems like an odd pairing. And everything that's going on with the protests, I think, really asks the question, is this really who we are as Torontonians to have a brand here that doesn't espouse the views of, of um, you know, full inclusiveness? So it's a very, very interesting question and a very interesting protest. Well, it's been said, uh, and just to give more of a background to why people might have been protesting, that uh, the organization, Chick-fil-A, and its CEO, uh, they're very ardent Christians, and uh, they've been criticized for uh, supporting what are deemed hate groups, uh, those who are proponents of conversion therapy. Uh, they're against gay marriage, for example, and uh, may have put dollars into uh, Christian evangelical operations. They, they close their operation on Sundays uh, to live up to their own creed. And uh, according to some of the critics as well, many U.S. cities, campuses, and retail outlets have refused to allow them to locate within their spaces and uh, that Canada should follow suit. Well, they're here now. Uh, do you think it can be sustained? Is this going to be perpetual controversy surrounding this outlet? I think it will be perpetual controversy. Now, whether in the end that's that detrimental for the brand, that remains to be seen because, you know, there's lots of examples of brands out there that, are hugely polarizing, yet they seem to kind of sustain themselves. And, you know, at the same time, there's also the questions, and this is a broader question that that we've talked about on the radio before, around just how much should brands get involved with their political and their social beliefs? So I think in this type of case, you get a lot of polarizing views around it, John. And, you know, there's some people, and as we saw in Dave's story, there's some people who say, you know what, I'm here for the chicken. And then there's other people that say, well, wait, wait a minute. I think the cautionary tale from a brand standpoint is this is another reminder that people are not just buying products. When you sell chicken, you're not selling chicken, you're selling the belief system behind it. So it is very surprising to me that, you know, like you said, for other countries and other regions that have banned Chick-fil-A from coming, this didn't stop them at all from coming to Toronto. So this issue is far, far from over. Whether that will result in more chicken being sold on the basis of curiosity, that always happens too. 
Well, I just wonder if, you know, maybe the brand is seeing this as a, a silver-lined cloud because, in effect, it does give them more earned media. They don't have to actually take out ads. It's just everybody's talking about them planting their flag at Young and Bloor and may go out of curiosity or just to uh, support in their own way. So uh, it's like no bad PR, that kind of thing. Well, you know, it's it's the old expression, right? Say what you want about me, but spell my name correctly. <laughs> so you're right. You know, it's getting impressions. Mike, bad or indifferent is getting impressions. Right. Uh, but let me ask you if this is so also maybe a slippery slope. Where does it end? If there's going to be a values or morality test affixed to every brand or operation that, you know, sets up shop, uh, can you foresee where, you know, social justice now becomes the filter through which every enterprise has to uh, pretty much explain itself? Is that a good or a bad thing? Well, you said it. It is a slippery slope because I think there's a couple of different ways of looking at it. I mean, brands have a responsibility and an obligation to be socially conscious and socially aware, you know, not promoting hate, not promoting, um, you know, promoting inclusion, not promoting anything that in any way could be construed as that. But at the same time, you know, there are a lot of gray areas. And there comes a question, too, that, you know, brands, when they when they go and they talk about certain issues, are they talking about it from a place of real authenticity or are they talking about it because, there are other competitors who are talking about it. And does it actually come across as authentic? And, you know, one of the age-old examples of this that we've laughed about a bunch of times just on, on different different shows here is the whole Kendall Jenner um, Pepsi ad. Because, you know, in, in 30 seconds or less, it looked like Kendall was single-handedly trying to end racism, and people really saw through it. But then there were examples of brands very successfully tackling social issues. Heineken's done it, Coke's done it. And, you know, in the end, they've managed to strike a tone that people one way or another can identify with. So I, I, it is a slippery slope, but I think if we talk about what are some best practices to look at, it all comes back to values. Is what you're saying in line with the values of who you are as a brand? And those values are going to connect with some people, and they're not going to connect with some people. And ultimately, that, that kind of forms the basis of the people who really believe in the brand and people who don't believe in the brand. So right. nowadays, there's a lot of pressure, but I think it comes back to is it true to that? Well, that's interesting. So uh, that really resonates. Authenticity being the buzzword. Uh, they're living up to their own values. Certainly Dan Cathy, who's a CEO, and uh, whatever, you know, the causes that he supports and so on. Having been deemed by some to be hate, that's pretty subjective, too. I mean, uh, if he's got a belief system, I mean, who makes the assessment that it's hate versus, well, he's just subscribing to his own belief system, religious tenets, uh, or dogma, or whatever you might uh, call it. Uh, he has a freedom to do that as well on a, as a matter of conscience, doesn't he? Well, you know, this is what I love about brand conversations, John, because, you know, then then we get into a whole slippery slope of brand. You know, is it is it just somebody exercising their right to freedom of, of speech and freedom of expression, or does it come at the expense of people and does it even start to infringe on people's right to feel free and feel safe and these are arguments that are playing out right now because the the people who are protesting are certainly saying yes it does it does promote hate it does infringe on on the right to expression but then there's you know there's groups who are also saying well wait a minute this is a brand standing behind what it stands behind but i think it, it comes back to again right that you know there's more than one brand at play here we're talking a lot about the the chick-fil-a brand but, you know, the brand of the city that the, the restaurant operates in is as much at play here as the brand of the, the brand itself. So it does ask the questions of, okay, we know who Chick-fil-A is. What about who Toronto is? 
What about Young and Bloor? What about, you know, should, and that's where you get neighborhoods that outright say, we don't want these restaurants here because they don't believe what I believe. So it's a complicated argument, and there's a lot of layers to it. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out sort of in uh, the arena of competing values or perspectives. Let me ask you just as a quick aside, I see where uh, Pam Anderson has weighed in on TIFF because I guess one of the sponsors of TIFF is Canada Goose and certainly as a spokesperson for PETA, you know, the idea that the collars are made from coyote fur and the goose down from birds that are plucked somewhat inhumanely, I guess, is her argument. And she's calling on the people in charge of TIFF to divorce themselves from the sponsor. And I think that's also part of the loot bag for the the, the A-list celebrities, some Canada Goose <laughs> apparel. Uh, how do they stick handle their way around this one? I believe the Berlin Film Festival has already divested themselves from the Canada Goose brand. Yeah, you know, that, that'll that be very interesting. And, you know, not coincidentally, John, I noticed on the, uh, I think it was Young and Blur today, they had a massive, massive ad display going up the stairs of the subway, going on the subway walls themselves, even going on subways, promoting veganism in a very, very direct kind of way. So, you know, it's a good question because if you look at Canada Goose's website, you know, they address this and they talk, they actually talk about the issue of why they use the fur and they bring it back to that, you know, in the end, this is the best possible solution for the product itself. So they're very much trying to detach themselves from the political issue of it, but there's no denying that it is a political issue. And for TIFF, of course, being, you know, the magnet of stars that, that have all sorts of things, you know, things that are very important to them, it is extremely polarizing. So it wouldn't surprise me if they followed suit with other film festivals and decided not to go that route. That was another surprise. All right. Well, that's another instance, too, of the brand of Toronto and the film festival uh, meeting up with something that may be considered offside by a certain segment of, uh, well, those seeking social justice. I'll be diplomatic. Mike, it's a great uh, conversation as always. I appreciate having it with you and uh, look forward to doing it again real soon. Likewise, John. Thank you so much. You got it. Mike Leon again is the president of Brand Heroes Marketing. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.